If you enjoy our content and think this is important material, the best compliment you can pay is by sharing this with your friends and family. This helps us out a lot. Also, if you enjoyed today's program, please like, comment, share, and subscribe to this podcast. We would love to hear from you. Welcome to the Truth In My Days podcast, where we defend the Word of God against the challenges of men. Hello. Today, we have Sonia interviewing John about natural theology. This is about whether we can know that there is a God through natural revelation. We will be continuing from the previous episode today. We hope you enjoy. So it's not that they don't know God. It's not that they can't know there's a God. They don't want to know it, and they just crush that knowledge. Do, do all of them actively crush it, or are the ones who started the atheist movement the ones who are crushing it, and then you have other unthinking people who just absorb what they hear from their parents and their teachers, and they don't think, and they just assume that there isn't a God? I think there are people who assume it, but according to Romans, everybody should know that, and no one has an excuse. The thing is, you do meet people like that, people who just always assume that there is no God. But the thing that shows their true colors is when you start presenting the evidence for it. You start presenting the evidence for God, and they just ignore it. And you show them, say, that chain of logic that I showed. They say, oh, that's not convincing. Well, then those ones are willfully blind. And, and you ask them, okay, if you say this is not convincing, show me where there's the error in the logic. They never can do it. They never show something wrong in the chain of logic that proves there's a God, and yet they still, I won't believe it. So... When you see that happening, you know they're suppressing the truth. You know that they, they don't like to retain God in their knowledge. If there are people who are not like that, they do respond to the, the evidence, and those are people who do want to know God. Those are people who are willing to know God. Well, but then they, they may accept that there's a God, but I guess natural revelation can't necessarily tell them that it's the God of the Bible. Well, exactly. Natural revelation is extremely important, but at the same time, it is limited, and we have to respect those limits. So um, what are the limits? Well, here's the thing. Natural revelation can only show you a few things. And the Bible doesn't speak of more than a few things. Uh, it's enough that we can know that God exists. Okay? Romans 1 tells us that it talks about his eternal power and Godhead, his divine nature. That would include the fact that he transcends time. Psalm 39, we saw that, it reveals his glory, it reveals that he's a creator. But that's pretty much as far as it goes. As you pointed out, natural revelation can tell us that there's a God, but doesn't tell us which God. But it should then prompt us to start looking into the issue. Once we know there's a God, we need to find out which is the right God, which is the true God. And that's when special revelation comes into play. Not natural revelation, but special revelation, which is scripture. Which, which is the holy writings, the writings from God through his chosen vessels. And here's the thing. It's not on par with general revelation. What do you mean by that? The primary means of human communication is by means of propositional statements. That's how we best convey information. If I'm hungry, I want food, I say, I am hungry. And you have no, no problem understanding what I meant by that. I want a hamburger. It's very clear. These are propositional statements. 
Washington was the first president of the United States. It's a propositional statement, easy to understand, because you know the meaning of the words, you understand the syntactical construction. And that's why it's the primary means of communication. It's clear. As long as you're careful in what you say, it becomes unambiguous. Natural revelation, on the other hand, is based on inferences. It's based on observations and you trying to deduce conclusions or induce conclusions from what you've observed. It seemed very clear in the case of the existence of God, which we showed, but it's often not clear. And this is why propositional statements always rule over inferences, and especially when the inferences may be based on assumptions that are questionable. And this is why special revelation rules over natural revelation. Natural revelation can never overturn something you get from special revelation. Any specific examples? Sure. Have you ever played charades? Yeah. Do you like it? It's okay. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it, it's fun because what you do is you're given a, a phrase to say, it could be the title of a movie or something, and then you try to have your team guess what it is, figure out what it is, without you actually saying it. You're trying to communicate without propositional statements, and you may do this act and that act, and they may figure it out. Eventually, they may not figure it out. Whereas you could just say the name of the movie, it would take you like two seconds, and they know exactly so isn't it clear that non-propositional communication is not as clear as propositional? Yeah. Yeah. Or play Pictionary, for example, or same kind of idea as Shreds, except instead of acting things out, you draw pictures. I remember one time we were playing a game, my wife and I against another couple, and the word that he was supposed to get across to his partner was deliver. Well, how do you draw deliver? Well, he thought to break into parts, and first he'd do the liver part. And he's drawing a lever, and nobody can figure out what it is. The time runs out. He, she didn't get it, and then he explains it's a lever, like the lever. The problem here, he pronounced the word incorrectly. He actually thought it was pronounced the lever, and so he tried to draw a lever. But of course, it's not the lever. And this is a, a subset of the fact that people are imperfect. For whatever reason, you you can look at things and try to draw inferences from them, but you're not perfect at that. And it's another reason why propositional statements are what's used for our, our communication, our important communication. Well, un unless you say something misleading or make a, a mistake like wrong pronunciation or wrong spelling in your propositional statement. Yes, but even then, if he said deliver, we'd still know what he's trying to say, even though his pronunciation was wrong. We're just trying to draw a lever. We're not going to figure it out. That's true. And yes, but ironically, you kind of show my point. Yes, if somebody's lying to you, he will mislead you, but he has to do a propositional statement in his lie. Otherwise, you won't be fooled. Right? So there we go. Natural revelation is great to establish the fact that God exists, but it can't really go beyond that. It can't tell us which God. And for that, as I said, we need special revelation, and we have that in the Bible, and the Bible will stand against every other book, stands over the Koran, over the Tripitaka, over the Vedas, over the Book of Mormon, over Divine Principle, over the Zendavesta, over any of these. Because the, the one true God, now you know there's a God, you look for one, who's, which God's messenger proved himself by fulfilling ancient prophecies, working amazing miracles and coming back from the dead. Well, there is only one. So there you go. The natural revelation is good. If you're talking to somebody who denies that God even exists, 
about a natural revelation. That's step one. That's step one. And once once he sees there's a God, you move on to step two, showing which God is the true God. Now, unfortunately, natural revelation is often used by professing evangelicals and evangelical scholars illegitimately for negative purposes. What kind of negative purposes? Unfortunately, it's generally to override something that is taught in special revelation, but that for one reason or another, they do not want to accept. And most commonly, this will come up in the question of how old is the earth? So what do they do? What do they do wrong, actually? What they do is to try to put natural revelation on a par with special revelation. They will say things like, God wrote two books the Bible, and nature. Or they will say that nature is the 67th book of the Bible, as if they were equal in terms of their ability to convey information. Now, what do you think is wrong with that? Well, because the nature can only tell us a few limited things, those are things that don't contradict anything that you find in the books with uh, specific propositional statements. Yeah, exactly. You cannot put natural revelation on par with scripture because special revelation is made up of propositional statements natural revelation is only based on indirect inferences based on questionable assumptions so they cannot be considered on par that's the first problem the second problem is that we have seen what natural revelation can tell us according to the bible okay? god exists he is all powerful intelligent his divine nature is that he's creator, that he's glorious, and that's all. That's the only things that natural revelation can tell us. But these people will try to make natural revelation tell us a whole lot more things that, that it cannot tell us. What they do is take the pronouncements of atheist scientists that are supposedly studying the universe and its origins and its age, and these studies are all based on indirect inferences and questionable assumptions. But these, because these scholars believe those, they claim that this indirect inferences, questionable assumptions put together by atheist scientists are what they're doing is reading God's book here. But that, that kind of thing cannot work with your, what do you call that logical pattern earlier, like created or not created, once you get into something so detailed. Yeah, like the that. law of the excluded middle. And so here's the thing. They will say it's two books, scripture and nature, and they're both valid and they're both equal. Or nature is the 67th book of, of scripture. They're really not talking about nature. What they're talking about is atheist scientists' claims about nature. And they don't put them actually on par. In practice, the natural revelation or these, these claims of natural revelation always override what special revelation actually says. If what the Bible says about the age of the earth disagrees with what atheist scientists say, which one wins? Should be the Bible. But which one does win? I think these people go with the atheist scientists. Always. You will not see them... Say, well, okay, the Bible says this, science supposedly says that, so what we think science says, there's got to be some mistake in how we've drawn conclusions from our observations, let's revisit that. No, it always becomes the claims of atheist science, 4.6 billion year old Earth, 13.8 billion year old uh, universe is accepted without question, 
and let's see how we can bend the Bible to accommodate it to that. Now, as I said, that's the most common area where they do that, the age of the earth, but it's not the only one. There are others, and none of them is in the purview of natural revelation. Okay, so these aren't all atheists. No, no, they're not. They're, as I say, evangelical scholars and, and other evangelicals who do this as well. But the problem is what they're doing is following the claims and the methods that were devised by people who were atheists and who were looking to overturn what the Bible says. And what I find particularly dismaying is that they will turn around and complain and claim that the Bible does not actually tell us how old the earth is. So, you know, we can accept what atheistic science says about that. Uh, but in point of fact, the Bible does say that in actual propositional statements. Where's that? Well, in a number of places, actually. There's not one place that says it, but it's throughout Scripture. Genesis chapter 1, no, it doesn't give us the age of the earth, but it does tell us that God created the world in six 24-hour or earth rotation days. And that Adam, the first man, was created on day six. So the the world was you know, somewhere between five and six full days old when Adam was created. Now, from there on, we have, through the Old Testament, a continuous list of data that allows us to know how old the earth is. In Genesis chapter 5, we have a chronogenealogy tracing all the way from Adam to Noah's birth, telling us how many years passed between each, each name on that genealogical list. Could there have been any gaps, though? Any people that they left out in the lists? Thank you, everyone, for listening today. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. But please join us for the next part tomorrow. Same time and same place. Thank you for listening to the Truth In My Days podcast with John Torse. We would love to hear from you. Please feel free to share any questions or comments you may have. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, MeWe, and YouTube. Simply search Truth In My Days as one word. Again, Truth In My Days as one word, no spaces in between. And you can connect with us. You may also visit our website for more comprehensive material and to learn more about our ministry. Our website is truthinmydays.com. Thank you. Thank you.